0: This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Michael Lanspa. Thank you for joining us in our Out of the Blue podcast. Today, we're going to discuss an article by Dr. Seppo Rene and colleagues entitled Perspectives on Burnout from Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine Division Directors. I'm joined today by Dr. Seppo Rene from the Center for Healthcare Organization and Implementation Research at the Veterans Affairs Hospital in Bedford, Massachusetts. Dr. Rene is an Assistant Professor of Medicine at Boston University. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Rene.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Great. Oh, well, I'd like to start by discussing the term burnout. Uh, what's the term burnout mean to you?
1: Yeah, I love that question, because uh, this is a term that has grown a lot of popularity in in current literature, pop culture, and even daily conversation. It's a term that is not without controversy. And I think that there is a lot of pushback on this term, partly because it uh, sometimes denotes A little bit of blame that that this is an individual problem uh, and not an artifact of the systems and organizations that uh, produce burnout. I think there's an interesting conversation that we can get to in the article about uh, how that perception is not manifested by the pulmonary division directors and the uh, responses to the survey that we collected. Burnout is essentially a term that means uh, a work related psychological state that is associated with emotional exhaustion, depersonalization or cynicism, and a low sense of personal accomplishment.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head about the controversy here and the c- concern about blame. I also share your, uh, your comment about uh, perhaps it is an uh, inappropriate thing to use burnout for uh, physicians who may be in a toxic environment. Uh, we'll, I think we'll, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later in the discussion. I wanted to talk about one of the more interesting aspects of your study, and that's that you approached division directors instead of all physicians. So why did you focus on division directors?
1: Yeah, okay, that's a great question. So we focused on division directors primarily because we used a survey that was already collected. This was a survey that was administered to division directors uh, within ATS, and uh, the goal was to... Assessed the local work environment and working conditions and work standard across uh, different division directors. so we we have the benefit of already using this data, but I also think that this is a really critical source of data, and and particularly because uh, I'm an organizational researcher. and and what that means is i I try to understand the organizational structures that influence uh, quality of care, the the issues related to leadership, to teamwork, to relationships. And within the field of organizational research, we recognize that this role, the division director, plays a key role in securing kind of the environment and uh, in setting the tone locally and in negotiating between the higher leadership, what may be, for example, the CEO of of an organization, of the healthcare system, as well as with the faculty and the people who are um, frontline providers. And so that role is is really key. And understanding what their perspectives on burnout is provides an insight into how the tone, what the local work, uh, workplace assignment is like, and how uh, faculty perceive the support of their organization.
0: And I thought that was a great idea to uh, focus on the directors. What, what did you actually ask them? What sort of questions did you ask on your survey?
1: Yeah, these are questions that are very basic, and, and they were uh, – one was a yes-no question. It was basically, uh, is burnout a problem uh, within your division? And then we asked about what are the causes of burnout? What are the potential solutions? In, in particular, what are the solutions that you've done that have been effective to address burnout? And so it gave the uh, the respondent an opportunity just to express – how they perceive burnout uh, in uh, in an open text format. And we could use that to do a a qualitative analysis and understand how do these different responses uh, group together in emerging themes. So
0: you you mentioned free text responses and trying to analyze that. You used grounded theory analysis. How how did you, I'm unfamiliar with grounded theory analysis. Could you kind of explain that a little bit to, to me as well as our viewers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Grounded theory analysis is a a qualitative research method, and essentially it allows inductive themes to come from the data. In other words, we don't go in with a preconceived notion about what the the drivers of burnout are and what the solutions to burnout are. And and we did that, importantly, because um, we wanted to know what do the division directors feel. It is interesting that we found that the responses, at least on the end of The drivers of burnout largely mirrored uh, existing conceptual models, and there's a model by the Critical Care Society's Collaborative, and there's a model by the National Academies of Medicine that basically, both of which show that there are these individual drivers of burnout as well as organizational drivers. And it gets to this, this question that we started to have about the controversy about the term burnout, Uh, especially as we think about, is there blame? Is it the individual who's at fault? Is it the organization at fault? I I don't think that's a productive conversation. I think that what we have are essentially a system that produces a dysfunctional state uh, and and really an unsustainable state, both for the individual as well as the healthcare system.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's, um, that's a great point about not trying to focus too much on the blame, but trying to recognize these, um, some of these overarching themes that you had mentioned, you'd mentioned in your uh, paper about moral distress as a recurring theme. What do you what do you mean by moral distress?
1: Moral distress is essentially the feeling that we get when we're not able to provide the type of care that we think is appropriate, and it's it's important that you bring that up because in our in our analysis, and, and it may be important to go into a little bit more detail about how we categorize some of the responses. But in our analysis, we found that this uh, feeling can happen both in response to intrinsic work characteristics or inherent work characteristics. That example could be something like a young uh, a young individual, a child who comes into the ICU who is critically ill, and we want to be able to provide a, a type of care that we're not able to, or we want to be able to, quite frankly, uh, cure a child that's not curable or cure an illness that's not curable. And, and that creates this dissonance that we would like to do something that we're not able to do. It can also be uh, in response to ho- hospital practices and policies that, that we have a, a feeling that there should be some type of care, maybe even in response to things like what our workload should be um, or uh, how we interact with patients or what even what is the care that's, uh, that's possible at a given hospital system that is at odds with the hospital system itself. And so that conflict can uh, produce this feeling of moral distress. But I think actually maybe to follow up on that, it might be important to go over how we categorize the responses. And, And again, this uses grounded theory analysis to develop Emergent themes from the data. So uh, we didn't go in with this preconceived notion about things should follow exactly the CCIC model of burnout or the NAM model of burnout, but how do responses, uh, how are responses just inductively grouped? And and we came up with three uh, categories. One is the intrinsic or inherent characteristics of work, one was the individual, and one was the uh, existent work characteristics, and what we mean by that is, for any in, for any individual suffering from burnout, some of that could be what that individual brings into their uh, work environment. It could be their their history, their personality, their uh, their characteristics or factors that are going on in their own personal life and work life balance. And, and that piece is important to kind of recognize that uh, that there are individual factors, and and we don't ignore the notion that individuals are all different and respond differently to environment. But we also need to recognize that the environment matters and, and the work itself matters. And some of it could be those inherent or intrinsic aspects of work. So for many of us are critical care uh, clinicians or critical care physicians, and that can be really stressful. That We oftentimes have work that is, uh, involves complex patients um, involves this notion of moral distress that we've talked about, uh, involves a, a, a high level of intensity, uh, involves a lot of death and dying, and, and all of those can contribute to uh, to burnout, the feelings of burnout. But those inherent in aspects of work are not really modifiable. In other words, that's, that's the nature of the of the work. What we found also from the responses with, was that there were, uh, a lot of extrinsic or existing work characteristics. And what we mean by that is that even under ideal working conditions, there are things that cause burnout. But on top of that, there are a lot of things about the system, the organization, the way that that care is delivered that are not necessarily inherent to the work, but can contribute to burnout. So when we think about going back to moral distress, some of it could be related to just inherent aspects of the work, and we've discussed how that's possible, and some of it is existent characteristics of the work. And recognizing that, I think, is really powerful because there are opportunities to address burnout, and I'm sure we'll talk about potential solutions, but there are opportunities to address that, and those largely lie in changing the system, changing the organization, changing the existent work characteristics.
0: So you mentioned uh, the system as being a significant contributor or these extrinsic uh, work characteristics. And you found that about 80% of the division directors responded that burnout was a problem in their division. How do you think we reached this state? How did we come to this point where burnout became so prevalent?
1: I love that question. uh, Partly because I think we ignore it a, a lot of the time. And, and I think it's an important conversation to have because oftentimes this, conversation is a lightning rod for conflict that there can be uh, people who have been practicing medicine for many many years uh, experienced individuals who feel that this conversation is new and reflective of a different type of clinician Um, i don't think that's the case i really don't i think that we are here because we are the product of a lot of systemic changes. We are the product of a lot of systemic changes that have resulted in systems contributing to burnout. And if we think about this historically, we can start going back even 50, 100 years at a time when physicians were incredibly autonomous. You can think about a, a physician with his handbag going house to house and, and recognize that that individual was their own boss. Uh, that's changed over time considerably. And, uh, and there are many good changes that have happened in medicine, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put a value statement. But what's happened to, in terms of the shift of power is that physicians have less autonomy, less ability to make their own decisions about how to deliver care. And systems have developed more power uh, and taken more of that kind of decision-making. Concurrent to that, there have been a lot of changes in medicine. So there's been an incredible growth of knowledge, uh, which has created uh, a a need for a lot of subspecialties. There have been uh, the emergence of electronic health records that have taken away from uh, kind of a traditional patient-centered interaction in, in medicine. And then there's been a tremendous focus on uh, productivity. I, I think this follows a lot of the shift in power and follows a lot of the economic trends that have uh, created systems that really emphasize uh, productivity of the of the physician. I also want to take a moment and and just acknowledge that oftentimes when we're talking about burnout, we talk about physicians. But These are not the only individuals that are suffering from burnout. And so it's important to recognize that when we talk about shifts of power, there are also uh, differences and uh, relationships that we need to consider between physicians and nurses, uh, which is an entirely different topic and and would be interesting to go into. And then for the ATS community, there are individuals who are are researchers and and not clinicians, and many of the same principles apply.
0: I think that's right on the nose. I think... One of the things that was interesting to me was uh, when you talked about some of the changes in existent work characteristics that uh, resulted in uh, or contributed to burnout uh, was that uh, you mentioned the concept of cultural consonants. I was hoping you might be able to go in a little bit more detail about what you think that means or how uh, these characteristics might affect a physician's cultural consonants.
1: Yeah, um, thank you for that question. This is a concept that was really born out of a conversation with a medical anthropologist, Katya Anderson, who is on, a co-author on the publication. And I think it really hits the nail on the head. Cultural continent is really a phenomenon that describes our ability to live up to our shared expectations. And so maybe this gets a little bit at your former question about how did we get here? Um, as we've entered medicine, many of us had this image of what a physician does uh, or an image of what a nurse or, or, or a scientist does. And uh, we share that image as a, as a shared cultural expectation. Then reality hits and it hits in a way for many of us with the demands on productivity the uh, workload, the electronic health record, the other elements that are, make our jobs more challenging, uh, shift work and night work and other things that that, uh, that disrupt that cultural continent, that disrupt that sense that we thought we knew what it would be like to be doing our job. And we had an expectation for that. And the reality and the expectation don't line up. And, and I guess I, w- I would say one more thing about cultural confidence, this was the first this is the first time that cultural continent has been applied to the concept of burnout. But I think it's really important, and, and we keep on going back to this uh, controversy around the, the term burnout, but it's really relevant because what we see in our responses is that at least not the level of the pulmonary division director, they are largely not shifting blame. They're recognizing that there are organizational and System-level problems contributing to burnout, Um, just as there are other uh, elements in work and and the individual characteristics.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's uh, I I think that's a very astute point that the pulmonary division directors recognize that this is more of a product of a toxic environment rather than uh, an individual physician problem. But I wanted to comment on some of the specific responses from the survey that make it seem that employers focus on the individual. One of the responses. Uh, stated that organizations that that do acknowledge burnout have a mindfulness or uh, programs or other activities that we don't have time to attend. Another response uh, was to recommend to retire. And both of those seem to place the burden on the physician to either adapt to or uh, leave what seems like a toxic environment. So why do you think we haven't spent more time focusing on changing the environment?
1: Oh gosh, I wish I had a great answer for that question. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I do. Um, I think you are right on that there is there are certainly systems many many systems that do not recognize the uh, harm of burnout do not recognize the contributing factors to burnout and even as you noted within the responses there were there were some there were a variety of responses in terms of their awareness of this concept of cultural content and uh, of the existing work characteristics that could be contributing to burnout. At the end of the day, I think it goes back to this, con- this conversation we were having about uh, the history of burnout, the history of medicine, and what's contributed to us being here. We still operate in systems that uh, that are really productivity-driven, uh, that are focusing on medicine as a business, and that fail to acknowledge that addressing burnout is a part of a healthy, uh, both from the perspective of the clinician as well as the financial uh, aspects, that is a healthy response. So there have been many articles written on uh, the potential harms of burnout, both to patients as well as to clinicians. Um, But there are some key ones that recognize that this that burnout impairs productivity. it impairs efficiency. and and as much as this, uh, I think people bristle at this idea of of uh, linking burnout to uh, the financial outcomes, it's important as we have these conversations to to the leadership that they recognize that this is in the interest of the organization on many, many levels. Uh, I don't think that connection has been made. So what, uh, to more directly respond to your question, why don't systems, Health systems address burnout. I think it's from a lack of awareness. And my hope in this article, and in and in the field of in, of uh, of burnout in general, is that we can raise the awareness and point out that this is something that will help the organization on many levels.
0: You know, I think your point about trying to get administration to recognize that is. Uh, uh... Is excellent. You know, I would say if I were to speak cynically, it seems like it would be cheaper to overwork a physician and have them be miserable, especially if that physician couldn't afford to quit due to debt. And uh, rather than make any sort of expensive change to improve physician well being, I would think even if that same physician quit after five or 10 years, you could just replace them with another. And so you had mentioned about, um, you know, there's a financial impact to this. And so how do you think we should try to get leadership to recognize the value uh, the financial value and prioritizing physician well-being?
1: Well, I think that your comment is very good. And, and part of that is that we need to recognize the different arguments that are involved with addressing burnout. That again, going back to this idea of the, the conflict around the term burnout is that oftentimes what we, what we see is organizations on, on one level and uh, the, the, Clinicians suffering on the other side of the table and a conflict between the two. What I hope we get to is a recognition that those two parties are not at conflict, that, that there is an opportunity for them to recognize the win-win solution, the changes that benefit both. And if we can recognize on one hand, uh, for those of us who are clinicians, if we can communicate and, and work with uh, administration to recognize the benefits of addressing burnout, the, the benefits of, of changing systems uh, so that so that we reduce the impact on burnout and how that benefits the organization. If we can communicate that information effectively, I think we can address some of the root causes and problems contributing to burnout.
0: You know, I was fascinated with one of the solutions that was proposed. Uh, you'd mentioned some organizational strategies that were uh, uh, not necessarily um, specific to physicians, but you'd mentioned that other uh, investigators had looked at different organizational strategies uh, for burnout. And one of the solutions that they proposed was to measure and address burnout drivers. How would you envision that occurring? How do you think we should try to measure these sorts of drivers?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of ways that that can happen. And I think it it should happen in multiple ways. On one hand, there should be an attempt to understand uh, from clinicians themselves, that includes for division directors sitting down with the the faculty and, and clinicians in their division, and and asking what is it that is uh, contributing to feelings of burnout, or what is it that contributes to their work satisfaction, and how can we um, tip the balance to improve satisfaction and decrease burnout. Uh, I think that there are a lot of other ways that could that we could measure it and act on burnout. So one of those is to apply a survey instrument, and, and there are several validated survey instruments uh, like the Maslach Burnout Inventory or like the Mini-Z, and and that allows us to understand what is uh, what is the feelings of burnout within a division and how is that benchmarked against uh, other divisions. Um, and then having, I think having group conversations and, and uh, from a researcher, we've talked about these uh, like focus groups. But I think even sitting down uh, um, at different levels of the organization with trainees, with faculty and having frank conversations. What is it about the environment? What is it about the work? What is about what is going on in, in an individual's lives that we can help change and improve, uh, improve the environment and, and reduce burnout?
0: So what do you think the next steps are uh, for trying to fight this uh, growing crisis? You mentioned the need for additional research. What do you think uh, the next bit of research should be focused on?
1: I think we need to be moving towards uh, more interventions. Uh, and and there, are, there are some of those interventions that have already been uh, evaluated and, and shown, uh, for example, uh, that having additional support in the form of scribes uh, can help clinicians, that changing the uh, structure of and delivery of care so that, for example, uh, there are shorter rotations in, for for attendings treating uh, on an ICU rotation, um, those types of things uh, have been shown to reduce burnout. And then I think moving beyond that, there should be additional studies that use a multi-component approach where we look at changing the, the system there should be additional studies that use a multi-component approach where we think about the structural changes and work with clinicians themselves to address burnout
0: so i think those are great points i'd like to i'd like to end by uh, asking you know let's say you're a division chief and you have a you know a problem with physician burnout within your division what do you think You should do. I mean, what specifically? Any advice you might have for a division chief who's faced with a burnout problem within their division?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say this should be true for all division chiefs, whether or not they think there is a burnout problem in their division, because the the probability is that there are individuals within their division suffering from burnout, and that has grave consequences. It affects the quality of work that they do, it affects their productivity, it affects their own satisfaction, and it increases their risk for for many bad things, turnover and even suicide. And so I think all division directors should acknowledge this problem and need to address it. Uh, What do you do once you've acknowledged it? Uh, I think that's that's really the first step is is acknowledge it to yourself, but also acknowledge it to your division, recognize and openly state that I know there are systemic problems that can contribute to your burnout, and and uh, again, being able to acknowledge that is key. And number one, uh, number two would be saying this is not okay; that we need to make changes, and committing to the idea that that individual will help change the extent that they can, the organization, make it a better environment, uh, address the existing work characteristics contributing to burnout. And then number three, this concept that you said about uh, measuring burnout and measuring the drivers of burnout is key. And, and um, I've said that we don't need more research to, to assess what's going on, but we do need to know locally for those division directors to assess within their faculty, what is it that is contribute, contributing to burnout um, for them? And uh, again, it may be these one-on-one meetings. It may be these focus groups or, or group meetings. Uh, it may be measuring through validated surveys, but understanding what is it that's going on. And then number four, committing to change. And it's hard to be prescriptive because there are a lot of differences in, the, in one organization that may not apply to another, which is why understanding the local context is essential. But there are some principles uh, that that are true. And so recognizing that there are these existing work characteristics, some of them may be related to pressures of productivity, some of them may be related to workload, um, some of them may be related to electronic health records. And once we identify what those are, developing a plan to address them. It may be that we need to change the uh, productivity expectations. Uh, and in doing so, that may produce higher quality work. And those are very difficult conversations, but recognizing the financial arguments and having that communication, um, not only with the division directors, but with the hospital administration, can really produce uh, a, a meaningful conversation that addresses what is best for the system, what is best for, for the clinicians, and what is best for the patient.
0: I think that's perfectly said. Uh, I think we're out of time, so this is going to conclude our out of the blue podcast. I think we can all appreciate physician burnouts a growing problem in need of real solutions. And I'm hoping that research like that from Dr. Renee and colleagues can help us discover and implement those solutions. Uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Seppo Renee for joining me in a great discussion about physician burnout and uh, your great research on that. Uh, thank you, Dr. Renee.
1: Thanks. I appreciate being here.
0: Okay, great. Well, this is Michael Anspo for the American Thoracic Society. Thank you.